reading this morning uh, is from the book of Colossians. So you can turn there in your Bibles. It's also printed in the bulletin. I'm going to be reading Colossians 1, verses 15 through 23. This is God's Word. Colossians 1, verse 15. He is the image, and this is talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you that you've given us your word. And uh, we simply now want to look at it and talk about it. And, um, and Father, you know I'm a, a weak vessel, and so I pray that you would work through me and even uh, in spite of me to make this passage clear to us and to lift up your Son to us. We pray it in his name. Amen. Well, I want you to imagine something for a minute. This might be a bit of a stretch. Uh, but imagine with me that you're working on your new house, uh, and you're almost finished, and you call me. And ask me to recommend a good interior decorator to you. Now, I might not be your first choice, uh, especially if you've seen my office, but just, but just go with this for a minute. Uh, what would you want to know about the person that I recommended to you? Well, you might want to know their name, the name of their company, uh, their phone number. You might want to know where they went to school, who they trained under. You might want to see some samples of their work. You might want to hear from people they had done work for. What did you think of them? You'd want to know, um, could they do a good job? Um, who have they worked for? Oh, they did Martha Stewart's house. Okay, I'll listen to you on that. Uh, in, in gathering all this, you'd want to know, well, can I afford them? Um, will they do a good job? Can I depend on them to get the job done? You'd want somebody you, would be, you could be confident in to decorate your house well. Uh, you'd want to see their resume. Right, let me give a, a um, slightly more male-friendly illustration. Uh, uh, imagine uh, that you are the coach of your favorite football team, your favorite college team. All right? You're the head coach now. Uh, and I come to you and I say, I got this kid at Spartanburg High School that you need to give a scholarship to. What would you want to know about him? He's a linebacker. What, what would you want to know about him? Well, you might want to know, what's he run the 40 in? Um, how much can he bench press? How much can he deadlift? Let me see some stats. How many tackles did he have last year? How many sacks did he make? If you're going to give this kid a scholarship, if you're going to put your neck on the line, 
because your neck really is on the line every year. Uh, if you're going to put your neck on the line for him, then, then you want him to be able to come and do what you expect him to be able to do. You want him to be qualified for the task at hand. You want to be convinced that he can get the job done. You want to see his resume, what he's got to offer. We are in a study of the book of Colossians. Now, Colossians, if you'll remember, uh, was written by Paul. It's written to the church at Colossae, a church that was planted by a man named Epaphras. Uh, and Epaphras had gone there and he he preached the gospel there and then he had left and false teachers had come in behind Epaphras and they had said, well, what he told you was good as far as it goes, uh, but if you really want spiritual life, if you really want to experience spiritual fullness, if you really want to experience freedom in your life, if you really want to experience God's power, if you really want to know God, then the message that God gave you isn't... What is that? <laughs> you want me to turn this off? Time out. Because I'm going to really distract myself. I don't know if you're distracted or not. Okay. Can I go again? Is that good? Think we're good? Okay, cool. This message you got in enough. You need something else to add to that. Here's what we want you to add to. You need something more. And Paul's exhortation to them over and over and over again is, you got the gospel and that's enough. Because the gospel connects you to Jesus and Jesus is enough. And you don't need more than that. And verses 15 through 23 that I just read, it's as if the Colossians had said to Paul, is he really enough? Can he... Can he really get the job done? Paul, are you, are you sure Jesus is qualified? Would you, would you mind telling me a little bit more about him? Can I see his resume? And Paul says, okay, here's who he is, and here's what he's done. Uh, and I think this description of Jesus here in Colossians is important for us to hear. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, it's important to hear this. Uh, because if you're not a Christian, the most pressing question that any of us really have to answer is, what am, I, what am I going to do with this Jesus Christ? What am I going to do with him? Uh, am I going to accept him? Am I going to reject him and go my own way? But you've got to do something with him. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Uh, and if you're going to evaluate this and, and figure out, is Christianity for me? Uh, then you really need to hear what the Bible says uh, about Jesus Christ. Because there are a lot of different groups saying different things about Jesus Christ. You know, is he just a very enlightened man? Uh, is he just another prophet like Abraham or Muhammad? Is he a God, but not the God? Who is he? Uh, this section of text gives you the answer to that question. Uh, but I think this, this section is also important to us uh, because it helps you to realize, no matter where you are, um, it helps you to see that Jesus is more than a sufficient Savior. That He really is. That He really is able to save you. Because, because don't we all wonder sometimes, can He save me? Can He really make up for my sin and what I've done? And the sin that's been ingrained in my life for so long that nobody knows about. Can he really 
Can you really take care of that? Is what he's done really enough? Can he help me? And don't we all look to other saviors thinking that they can deliver us from the futility of life in a fallen world? And we've talked about that before, whether it's the perfect job, vacation, significant other, whatever. Don't we ask ourselves also at times, can he really fix this place? This, this broken world? Is he really going to take everything that's messed up so horribly and make it right? And the answer of Colossians 1 is a resounding yes. Yes. Christ is sufficient for the task at hand. He can get the job done. He's sufficient because he's actually supreme over all things. And so, in order to make the case for Christ's sufficiency, Paul points us to Christ's supremacy. He reminds us who he is and what he's done. Who he is and what he's done. And that's what we're going to look at for just a few minutes here this morning. Who, who is Jesus? Well, this text tell us about who Jesus is. Well, the first thing Paul tells us is that Jesus is actually, in verse 15, the image of the invisible God. Now, when he says that, he's saying something more uh, than just that, that Jesus is like Adam and every other human being, and he's just made in God's image, in God's likeness. Uh, he, he's pointing us to the fact, uh, as Hebrews 1 puts it, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of of his being. Uh, John chapter 1, you might jot down as well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who's at the Father's side, has made him known. So, what's the Apostle Paul telling us here? Uh, he's saying Jesus is God in the flesh. And if you want to see what God's like, then you actually have to look at Jesus Christ and see what He's like. You know, there's a lot of ideas, obviously, out, out there floating around about, well, here's what God's like. Here's what God's like. I think God's like this. I think God's like this. Uh, and maybe you've said something along the lines of, well, I prefer to think of God as this. I prefer to think of God in this way. And we kind of try to cut Him out of the construction paper. I like to... I like to think of him like this. This is what my God's like. I don't like to think of the God that you're describing there. But why is it that we think that we can do with God what we can't do with any other person? I mean, I can't say, well, uh, Steve Hyatt is, is 6'4", but I prefer to think of him as 4'11". Maybe Melody says that sometimes. I don't know. He's too tall. Um, I, I can't say, you know, um, I, 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 you know I, the president is like this. I prefer to think of him like that. I, I just don't get to prefer and somehow change what a person actually is. Change who they actually are. We can't make people the way we want them to be just by thinking of them in a certain way. We can't do that with God. God is who God is, no matter how you think of him. And Paul is saying... Look, this God, this invisible God, has actually made himself known to you. Uh, you don't come along and make up what you think he's like, but he's revealed himself to you in the person of Jesus Christ. 
And so if you want to know what he's like, he's got to actually show himself, reveal himself to you. And he's done that in Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation of God. What does that mean for us? You know what? Because he's God in the flesh, he's a sufficient Savior. He's a sufficient Savior. Uh, When you cast yourself on Jesus, uh, you're not casting yourself on um, the police or Navy Team SEAL Team 6. You're, You're casting yourself on God in the flesh. And he's a sufficient Savior. He's not just a wise man or a great prophet. He's God. And that's who you're entrusting yourself to. Uh, Well, next thing Paul tells us here about Jesus is that he's the firstborn over all creation. He's the firstborn over all creation. Uh, Now, again, Paul's not saying that Jesus is created because in the very next breath he's going to tell us that Jesus himself created all things. Uh, And in verse 17, he's going to tell us that Jesus is actually before all things. He's not a created being. Uh, The word firstborn doesn't always refer to your first child. Uh, It can also carry the idea of someone who is beloved or someone who is to be treated with great honor and dignity. They're first in honor and dignity. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses refers to the nation of Israel as God's firstborn. And so Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. He's the first in honor and dignity. He's the supreme king over all the earth. Uh, In fact, Paul goes on to say here that all things were created by him and through him and for him. He wasn't created, but all things were created by him and through him and for him. Uh, This Man that walked the earth, that hung on the cross, is also God Himself in the flesh who made everything. He's the King. And everything that exists, exists because He willed it to exist. And everything that exists, exists that He might be glorified, that it might be seen and proclaimed that Jesus Christ is excellent and is worthy of our praise. Now, in light of that, Paul is saying to the Colossians, look, if, if somebody comes along and suggests to you, you need to worship angels. You, you need to find spiritual power in some other place. Can I remind you of just who Jesus is? Why would you need to look anywhere else? If someone suggests to you today that spiritual power is found in praying to Mary... Can I remind you just who Jesus is? Uh, When someone suggests to us that the power for the Christian life is found in any source other than Jesus, we need to remember exactly who He is. He's God in the flesh. When you're tempted to try to find spiritual strength through man-made rules, can I remind you of who Jesus is? Don't you think you should be looking to the king instead of looking to your own efforts to manufacture holiness in your lives? And do you realize also that you were created not only by him, but you were actually created for him? I remember listening to a friend of mine give his testimony a a few years ago 
Uh, and he was sharing that someone actually came up to him one time and asked him what the most important thing in his life was. And it was one of those unguarded, not Sunday school moments. You know, Sunday school, Jesus, Jesus is the most important thing in my life. If I ask you that right now, we'd all say, Jesus. And he says, one of those unguarded moments, and he said, money. Uh, my, and those of you, it was Marcus Van Blake, for those of y'all who remember, no Marcus. Uh, money, money is the most important thing in my life. That's what my life revolves around. What's your life revolve around? What's at, the, what's at the middle of it? What consumes your thoughts when you lie down at night? What's weighing heavy on you? What's, what's always there? Uh, have you come to that point in life where you realize that apart from God, all the things that we're chasing are just so much chasing after the wind? I remember a few years ago when we went to Germany and we went to the, the castle that Cinderella's castle was based on. What's it called? Yeah, that. And um, that's good. And in that, don't correct any of the rest of this story if I get it wrong. Just go with me. Um, but but there's this castle there that this this dude took years to build. And in the the, the bedroom, the craftsman it's so elegantly crafted. They took two years doing the woodwork for this guy's bedroom. And then after they finished it, he lived in it about sixty days and then died. Great bedroom. Uh, it's so much chasing after the wind. It's so much chasing after the wind. What What's consuming you? What's that consuming thing in your life right now? Uh, have you come to grips with the fact that you exist for Jesus Christ? That you were made to, in, to be in relationship with Him? Uh, you know, are you saying, I exist to make a name for myself? Uh, I exist to be comfortable. I exist to be successful. I exist to serve Jesus Christ uh, and His purposes. Try doing this. When you get up in the morning, you're getting ready for work or, or for whatever. Um, try reminding yourself, look, look in the mirror and say, I, I exist for Jesus Christ. That's, that's why I'm getting up. I exist... For Jesus Christ to serve His purposes and to bring Him glory. And then you go eat breakfast uh, and you go turn a wrench uh, or keep the books or whatever you do. But you do it in a way that you're serving Jesus Christ and you're seeking to bring glory to Him. Completely changes why you're doing the things that you do every day. Uh, third thing here about Jesus. Paul tells us that Jesus is before all things. Jesus is be- That's a really cool statement. Jesus is before all things. And here's why that's so cool. Paul's telling us in a universe that contains both material things and immaterial things, that contains both people and stuff, that the personal is more foundational than the material. Look, here's what's widely assumed today. It's widely assumed that time and space and matter were just kind of swirling around for a long time and it swirled around long enough that finally up popped a person. We don't know why he's here, but he's just here. 
that you and I then are of no more significance than a grain of sand or a cockroach. We're just here. We just all happen to be here. We don't know why. And so love and friendship and relationships, they don't mean anything. They're all just accidental. They're all just random synapses firing in our brain. And it's a big mistake. It's a big accident. And so many have assumed that the impersonal has given, has led, has produced the personal. Uh, put it like this. If you see a farmer on a tractor in a plowed field, then in this worldview you would assume that the plowed field had actually produced the farmer on the tractor. That the impersonal gives rise to the personal. What if that's wrong? What if, what if Paul's right? What if, what if Jesus Christ really is before all things? What if the personal is actually more foundational than the impersonal? What if the plowed field really was produced by the farmer on the tractor? Wouldn't that make a lot more sense? And doesn't that suddenly mean that love and friendships and happiness are actually real? John Frame put it like this. There is, it means there is someone who wants there to be friendship. There is a being who wants there to be friendships. And there is a being who wants there to be love. And our actions really have consequences. And morality really is real. There's a person who actually cares about us and who cares what we do. And there's such a thing as design and beauty and purpose. Things matter. Things are beautiful. But you only get that if you have a creator. You only get that if you have Jesus who's actually standing before all things. What else does Paul tell us about Jesus? He tells us that in Him, in Christ, all things consist. Uh, if you're reading the NIV, it says, in Him all things hold together. All right, sometime around the time Paul wrote this letter to the church at Colossae, there was a major earthquake that destroyed uh, a good deal of the city and, and killed a lot of people. Okay, This was their tornado. This was their uh, tsunami. Wouldn't it be comforting to know that in Christ all things hold together? If things are shaking, it's because Christ has willed that they be shaken. If things are steady, it's because Christ is keeping them steady. Are you trying to take credit right now for the stability in your life? Are you the success in your life? Are you giving that credit to Jesus. Are you discouraged that things in your life are shaking or have been shaken? Shouldn't you look to Christ and cast yourself upon Him knowing that nothing is shaken apart from His will? Look to Him. Now, fifth thing here, Paul tells us Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of the church. Don't we always need reminding of that that this is not my church? This is not Justin's church. This is not anybody churches but Jesus' church wouldn't believing that uh, change the way we deal with things about the church that frustrate us if we really believe that this, this is my church, this is Jesus' church sixth thing here he's the firstborn from among the dead 
This is not a dead Savior. This is actually a risen Savior. He's defeated death. He's reigning at the right hand of God even now. He's preeminent. He's supreme above all others. Does He occupy that place in your heart? Does He occupy that place in my heart? Do I stand in awe and reverently worship the One who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn over all creation. The one who created all things. The one who's before all things. The one who holds all things together. The one for whom all things were created. Uh, the one who's the head of the church. The one who's the firstborn from among the dead. Have you really realized who Jesus is? And have you responded to that? And and when, when this Jesus, who is all of these things, tells you that He will forgive your sin, are you worried that somehow He's not up to it? That He's not up for the task? That He's not sufficient? That He can't get the job done? Do you really see who He is? Have you really seen what's on His resume? Do you really understand not just who He is, but now finally, and I'll be brief with this, what he's done, uh, because we're going to come back to this. Uh, Paul tells us that at the cross, Jesus has accomplished something that will ultimately result in the complete restoration of the entire universe. That the creation itself has been trapped in decay and moaning and death. It's in conflict with its creator. But now, it's being released from bondage. It's released from bondage. It's being made right again. It's sure and certain. Things won't keep going the way they're going. It's going to be fixed. It's going to be made right. Because of what Jesus has done. Now, even powers, Colossians tells us in chapter 2, that are hostile to God are being dethroned. And they're going to be compelled to bow the knee to him. Paul says, do you understand what he's done? How big this really is? And do you understand what he's done for you? Look at verse 21. And you, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul says, guys, you are God's enemies. You are actually alienated from Him, but through His death, Jesus Christ has brought you into a relationship with God. Christ died for you instead of you, uh, in your place. And the result is that you can look forward to standing before God Himself, who is holy and blameless and above reproach. And you will be holy and blameless and above reproach because of what Jesus has done for you. Uh, You believed that. Epaphras taught you that. And you believed that. And, and I'll be confident that that was more than just words as I see you continue in that belief. When I see you continue in that same faith. 
Don't turn away from that. Do you see who He is? Don't add to that. Do you see what He's done? Keep on. Grounded and steadfast. Not moved away from this hope of the Gospel. Put your hope there. Set your anchor down there. And so this morning, we're simply asked, uh, do you see who Jesus is? Do you understand what He's done? If you're not connected to Him by faith, then what the Bible is saying, as hard as it may be to get your arms around, is that you're actually separated from God. But if you are trusting in Jesus and what He's accomplished for the forgiveness of your sins, then you're right with God. And nothing can separate you from Him again. Do you have trouble thinking He can really help you? You're like, well, I've heard this all the time, but, but you don't know me. Do you have trouble thinking He can really help you? Would you look at His resume? Uh, he's more than an adequate Savior because He's not just a man. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the firstborn from among the dead, the preeminent one. And if He's on your side, if He's died for you, you don't have anything to worry about. You simply need to cast yourself in His arms and rest. Let me pray for us.